Welcome to the Fisher's Life Podcast. We hope that what God is doing in our spirit-filled community will also bless you today. Get connected by following us on Instagram at Fisher's Life and enjoy this message by our lead pastor, John Hudson. Amen. Is that the truth that you find your strength in Christ alone? May I suggest that in the end, throw away every religion and every organization. Don't put your confidence in men. Don't put your confidence in buildings. And don't put your confidence in wealth or education. There is one thing and one thing alone that must stand. My trust is in Christ alone. Everything else will fail you. Everything else will disappoint you. Everything else will let you down. But Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. What a wonderful group have gathered here this morning. For those that are online, thank you for joining us today on a a very special day. We're glad to have everybody that's in the house and those that are online as well. Thank you so much on um, what is a historic day here at Life Connections. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Um, This is a, a momentous moment for our church. It is the transferring, potential transferring of power from um, Mary and myself as founding pastors to a new senior pastor that we will be um, conducting a vote at the end of this service, and we'll give some instructions if you're a guest, you know, oh, this feels kind of odd, but um, standing here this morning, I know that I will be in this pulpit many more times uh, through the years, but um, unless unforeseen things that I, I'm unaware of going on in this audience, uh, this will be uh, my official last message as uh, senior pastor of Life Connections. Um, and with that, there is a great responsibility that I feel, and so I want to speak for a few minutes, and I, I told those that are taking the vote and a few that have come in, I promise that it will be no longer than two to two and a half hour message, and then we'll get right into the vote and get things taken care of. Um, but first, before I do that, I have to give honor to some very special people in my life. I am so honored and thankful to have my mom and dad here. Obviously, I would not be here without them, um, but I would not be, out, be, be here without uh, their, their love, their support, their teaching, and they are the ones who created the reason that you wanted me to be their pastor, and for that, I am very thankful this morning. I'm also thankful to have my sister, who we have battled many times through the years. Julie, I love you, and Sam, Harper, and... Uh, Hudson, thank you all for being here today and always being gracious and supportive of us. To my two children, um, Gentry and Rissa, and then also her husband, Jake, and my little grandson, Carter. I love you all so much. Thank you for um, always being there. And as we've walked through our journey the last year and a half, I don't know what we would have done without you. And then Mary, of course, you and I uh, get to journey this life on, on forward. Um, my word today is um, important, and if you have heard any message 
and you carry any message forward, I hope you will carry today's word um, with you. It is said that the final words of uh, a person are often the most important words, that as they are laying on their deathbeds, as they are that they are getting ready to breathe their last breath. And I am not dying or going anywhere, but I'm, I've asked God about this. I do not want to go be Moses and go up on the mountain and check out. So let's just get that straight. Um, uh, I hope that's in, the, in God's plans. But uh, these are the last words, and I thought about the last words of men in the Bible. I, I, I go to the Psalms where... It said the words of David have ended and his influence and his um, value was shifting from king to the ending of his life. And I looked in particular to Joshua, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, a man that had to be strong and courageous and move into new territory and new land that had to take people out, uh, who had been in bondage and bring them into a, who had a dynamic leader and had to bring them into a new place. And I, I go to his words, Joshua chapter 24, the 15th verse, and I, I won't read all of it because I want to paraphrase if you'll allow me. Um, but I want you to see the second line there, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. And then the last line of that, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In between there, there's the message, and it's been expounded on, but he kind of crunches it down. And that's what I want to do today, is to say, choose this day whom you will serve. And then I will allow you to know that my statement is the statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today marks the turning of a page. The ink will dry on one chapter, and a new chapter will get begin with both for this church and for Mary and I. We are not done ministering. We are done as pastors of this church. But we will minister for the longest time, and we have finished one and are getting ready to excitedly turn to the next page and likewise, this church, they, I knew in the spirit in June of last year that God spoke and said, it is time for a change. And we wept with our kids and talked about that moment, and we did not know where God would lead and who would be the person in that moment. But then God began to work and, and do what has brought us to this moment. And it was a, a, a difficult uh, process as we begin to understand. It's not always easy when there's change that God wants to do, but we understood that, yes, God had a change in our, in our life, a change in our purpose. And so we are turning the page and the excitement that we have for this church and where God is going to take it is unimaginable. We see well, young men dream dreams and old men see visions, and I see things in the future for this church that are indescribable. And as I speak those words, tears come to my eyes and fire comes to my bones because I sense something special getting ready to happen in this church that is beyond your imagination. We know this, the turning of the page from one chapter to the next, that does not change the storyline, it just changes 
the circumstances and the adventure. When you turn from one page of a chapter to the next, the theme stays the same. The concepts have stayed the same, but things just change in the next chapter. And oh, if it, wouldn't it be a dull book to read if you read the chapter and the next chapter was almost the repeat of the same chapter? Isn't there a movie about that? Isn't it called Groundhog's Day? And who would want to live in that dynamic? None of us would want to be a part of that kind of thing where it was just the same mundane, mundane. And so it is with excitement that we do that. But it is with that that I bring the four principles that must be remain in your hearts, in your spirit, in this church, and in um, the life of every person that is spirit-filled and has a belief in the eternity. These four principles have guided me from the time that I started my ministry when I went to a Bible college in Jackson, Mississippi in 1987, and here we are 35 years later, and those same principles, the principles that I had at Indiana Bible College for 15 years, and now for nearly 20 years, these four driving principles is what I hope that I have driven into the heart of every person that has ever set under our ministry from Bible college to this moment. It is the things that were handed to me by my heritage, by my family. I am the fifth generation, I believe, of spirit-filled people in my family. And I honor those that are before me, my parents and Jim and Brenda Coffey and the elders of this church, Mary Jo McKinney. I honor you. You gave me a message and I've held to that message. I've changed methods, and I've changed things that made you say, oh me and oh my. But I have held to this message, and I have never relented, never walked away. And I, tell, I can tell you this day, I stand confident that the message you have given me, I have been the bridge, and I have passed that message down to my son, my daughter, my son-in-law, and they carry the message that you gave me. There is nothing greater that you can do than be a bridge between two generations. There will be differences. There will be difference in methods, but the, the message that you have given has never changed in our hearts, our spirits, our lives. What makes up those four things? What four principles are critical to our lives? What have we poured in? Number one, it is Deuteronomy. We know it well. Deuteronomy chapter number four, or number six, excuse me, verse four, and we could all say it well. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There has been one thing that I have made sure that we have put into the DNA of everything that we are, that we understand that there is a single God in heaven. If you go back to the message when I preached about the little box, the scripture in that box that they held dear to their heart was there was one God. He had multiplicities of abilities. He was uh, the God of healing, the God of victory, the God that carried the banner. You could go on and on, but he was one God, and we have carried that message throughout our entire ministry at college and in this church, and you must never, ever let go of that critical message. There is one God. His name is Jesus, and we pray in that name. We believe miracles can happen in that name. It is the blood of Jesus that has all power and authority to every young person. Whatever you do, do not let go of the name and the singleness of God. You will hear the words triune, and I'm not here to, to, to badger, and I'm not here to be mean-spirited, but 
He is not just, you cannot bring him down to just three parts. He is so much bigger than that. He is larger, more grand than any of those things. When people have said there's three, I'm going, no, there's a hundred thousands dimensions of God, but, and you can't define them all. You won't see them all, even if you live to be a hundred, but there is one God that has all power and authority. It is the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. You must hang on to that. This message that I'm preaching today, I would preach if it was Phil Daigle, if it was the, the president of an organization, if it was another church, if it was a great, if it was Billy. Whoever stands in this pulpit, I would still preach this because it is the DNA of who we are. One. The second principle that I would bring to you today is found in Luke chapter 21 and verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The word of God is all authority. The Word of God must be above everything in your life. You must have ownership of God's Word. You can't have ownership of a religion. You can't have ownership of, of, of just of, of, of an organization. You have to have an ownership of your Bible. You must make sure that what you put your faith in is not a man, not a concept, not another book. You must put your trust and confidence in the Word of God alone. And if you don't do that, any deceptive doctrine, any message can come into any heart. An unread Bible in an unread, at a church where their Bible is not read and the pastor is not accountable is the most dangerous place on earth. You have got to make sure that you open your Bibles regularly for yourself. And you need to know, just like when Jesus was faced with temptations, what did he do? He didn't quote a, a philosophy, an idea. He said, it is written. And you must be able to say to every man and to yourself, in the worst of times, it is written. It is the authority of my life. And I have asked and I have taught that that is the most important thing. I've had to tear down because there's been through the years many men who have tried to bring a book up equal to the Word of God. Joseph Smith tried to bring a book up equal to the, it is not equal to the Word of God. There is only one book and that book is the Bible and it alone will save you and give you direction. Other organizations have tried to bring books up and tried to say that you have to follow these set of rules and additions and they dance and they, and they, and they create euphoria over their outward appearance. That is not the Bible. The Bible is the Bible and the Bible will speak to you and speak to your heart. The Word of God must be forever settled in your heart. So do we have it? We must understand that there is a God in heaven that has ability and authority over all. And we must understand the Word of God is our authority above all. If I have ever crossed a scripture wrong, and you've confronted me, I love it, then I honor you for challenging us because we want to make sure that the Word of God always has place and authority. The 
those two verses can be summed up. I love John 1 and 1 that kind of puts it all together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You've got to have God, and you've got to have the Word to go anywhere. Those two are, and we're halfway home. The third is the scariest of all. Well, not the scariest. All of these are scary to me. Because I can present them. But if you don't take them seriously, anything can happen in your lives and in this church. Maybe not this generation. I have confidence in this man. But it's got to be there. And the third of these is found in Matthew. I'll give you a verse for every one of these. It is written, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer. To every person that has spent the last 10 years with me in this building praying, thank you. I honor you. I owe everything. Mary and I owe everything to you that have built this thing in prayer. To every, and it's been a lot of our elders. There have been young people that have come along, but not enough. I'm going to preach to our young people a little bit. You have got to come back to the house of prayer. You cannot back away from this. You will destroy this church. You will destroy your lives. If you do not make prayer, I'm going to be as bold as I've ever been. You will destroy this church if you do not remain prayerful. Above all, this house must be a house of prayer. It is the DNA, above, probably above all, we love the Word, we love the one God, but if we, you can have those things, but you're not based in prayer, and you do not have yourself on your knees regular, and you're not a part of corporate prayer, you will get out of balance, you will get out of place. Standing or sitting in this room is the potential of a Judas Iscariot who wants to be important, but they do not have the value of prayer. Be weariful of those people. You look for people to lead you who are leading you by being people of prayer. That may have felt angry, but it's boldness. And I hope it etched and burned in you more than anything else that I have said so far today. Prayer must be there. It is what Mary's dad put in her and her pastor in Stockton, California put in her. Bishop Haney put in her. And I grew up under Pastor James Larson, and I watched as he put prayer in, in Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis. And as a young man, I grew up watching that man pray and pray and pray. And when I became a pastor, I didn't know much, but I knew one thing. I knew I was going to be a man of prayer. She knew she was going to be a woman of prayer. And I will be a bold again. I remember coming back from Bible college, and there was a change in pastorate. And when I did, I walked into the prayer room where it was been filled. And tragically, it was void. And I never saw it again. What happened? It was driven by a man, and the spirit didn't get picked up. And if there's anything,
And I don't want to see happen in this church. Because prayer will bring you through every trial. Prayer will bring you through every problem. Prayer will give you the answers and will solve it when nobody can. Do not let go. And every young person grab a hold of it and say, we're going to be a church that prays like no other church in America. I challenge this church to take on the mantle of prayer above all things. It'll carry you when you don't understand the message. It'll carry you when you can't, when you don't understand the word. It'll carry you when you're broken. It'll carry you when you're in pain. It'll carry you when you have confusion. It'll carry you when there's difficulties in the church. Prayer will solve every issue. Understand, I am not the greatest minister but you have to know one thing for the, over the last 10 years that 90% of the message that you, you I, don't, I don't preach. I can't think of one per minute time in my life that I've ever preached a message from another person. I go and I read different, but I've never listened to a tape or watched a DVD or got on YouTube or anything. You know where my, every, almost every message, none, right there. 90% of my messages came right there on a Saturday night in a prayer meeting where God spoke to me. Then this is what God said to do. Can I tell you, you want to make sure that you're getting your directive from the Word of God. I'm not calling Phil there. I hope he goes there. But I want to tell you, what you've heard from me has not just been messages. that have been It's been fresh bread that's come from an altar. And that's where you're going to find the strength for your own life. In the place of prayer. And forgive me if I've not preached it strong enough for the last 20 years. As I preach my last message, I'm going to preach it as strong as I ever have. To every singer, to every musician, to everyone that's in the AV, to everyone that's in the children's ministry, to everyone that's in youth, wherever you go, everything in this thing should be basted in prayer. And I tell you, you will never be disappointed what God does through a man and a woman of prayer. Mom and dad, am I saying it right? All right. I still honor you, my mom and dad. You, you pull my, they, they can pull my chain. You all know they've pulled my chain a few times. I love them. last thing that I lay before this church, the last pillar, the last anchor that you hold on to, is John 3 and 5. You can go a lot of different places, and they're all good. But I'm going to, and you're like, well, he didn't take us to Acts 2.38. Nope, I didn't. I'm going to take you to John 3 and 5, because Acts 2.38 is the word of a man, Simon Peter, who had the keys of the kingdom. But above him, there's a God, that one God that we talked about, whose name is Jesus. When he was asked, what must I do? What must I do? Read his words and hold them in your heart. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You have to own that above everything else. Understand 
that methods of presentation may change. I have definitely changed the method of presentation around here. I have been almost called a heretic because I didn't say speaking in tongues. I say speaking in a language that you didn't know. Crucified. But what I understood was generations change in the method that you say it. You're not changing it. You're just being more relative to the, the age that you're dealing with. And pastor, if Pastor Phil and Annie are elected here, they have a task that I don't even know that I could accomplish. And they have a task greater than any. Because like never before, this is the generation that knows no God, that has no Bible. And if you are ever going to pray, another reason to pray is pray for this couple who has the greatest challenge. But I believe they have been put here for such a time as this. And they are ready to take the baton and run with this gospel with all their heart. But you must pray for them because their methods will be different and they will be as strange as some that will say that mine were. But Jesus said it well, must be born again of the water and the spirit. These are the words of man, of not a man, but of God himself. This is not religion. This is not organization. This is God who spoke this word. That spirit was poured out in the book of Acts. Remember, remember this, because many of you missed Wednesday nights, and I'm not here. There's no condemnation. This church is, has such a transit. Of, some people drive 90 miles, 50 miles, hour and a half, whatever it is, two hours to get here. And I think it's going, that number's going to grow because this is going to be a spirit-filled church like Fishers has not seen. And I understand that you can't always be here. But there was a, a Bible study I did called The Search. And it, it was just basic Bible all the way through. We walked through it. And when we came to the book of Acts, I made sure that you knew one thing. That when Jesus passed in about 30 to 33, that was the marking of the end of the story of the Gospels and the life of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit in the book, beginning of the Acts of the book of Acts started about 30. And about 70, that time framed in, Acts chapter 28, going into what would be what we call the modern day Acts 29, whatever you'd want to say. From 30 to 70, that is 40 years of time. Understand this, that during that 40 years, every one of your epistles were written during that time frame. And if you will look in every one of those epistles, you will see at the beginning of those epistles these words, to the church, to the saints. So those moments somebody wants to bring initial salvation, not they can bring faith, they can bring, but if they want to change the water baptism and the Holy Spirit and filling, they cannot go to that because that is to the saints and to the church. That's where we grow. That's where we get relationship. There must be continuation after you experience the salvation. But you must understand 
that is that is there and you must own that time frame because if we lose that concept and we somehow get the the order that well hey this is the book of acts and then came the book of romans and then first corinthians no 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 it's not like the old testament all those take every one of those epistles and set them right in the middle of the book of acts and there was only one message that was ever preached in the entire book of acts it was repent and be baptized and then you will receive your promise we're not going to create it we're not going to manipulate it it, nothing like that should ever happen and i know phil and annie won't allow that to happen but you have a promise that you will receive the gift of the holy spirit it happened in acts 2 it happened in acts 10 it happened in acts 8 and in acts 19 when paul is on his third missionary journey he says to john's disciples wonderful people never be mean-spirited never be that person that is that preaches the gospel with, with a with a hammer of thor it should be done in gentleness and love and in this generation more than any it's got to be done with craftiness and wisdom wise as serpents gentle as a lamb it must be presented in that that mode do you remember the dream that i shared several times. I will share it this last moment because I didn't understand it in 1987, 88 when God gave me, but it was the coffee table that where the Bible set that was open. It was one of those big family Bibles, but it was written in and and there was stains on it and there was highlighting and blue markings underneath it. And there was a comfort I felt when I knew that word was there. And then I looked as the next uh, PowerPoint or slide came along and that Bible was closed and the book was there but it, it was dusty a little bit. It wasn't, it didn't have the relevance and importance. And I saw that a little bit and then I remember that third slide as I looked and the Bible was gone and there was this grieving, there was this shaking in my, in my spirit as I looked and there was no Bible and I looked and saw a bookshelf and a sudden peace came to me as I saw that family Bible sitting there. But there was something wrong. It's like, why isn't it out? Why isn't it irrelevant? And then I remember the final slide. It wasn't on the coffee table, and the coffee table was empty. And I knew instantly my dream to look over, and it wasn't there. And it was the definition of this generation that you live in, that your children will grow up in, that your kids go to school in, the government that you're a part of. There is no Bible in America. And so the message will be so different that you have to work around because there is so much confusion of doctrine and message because you can watch anything and everything on YouTube and on the Internet. Find what you want to believe. And that will bring you back to this message. Be baptized in water and spirit. And it will bring you back to those three principles. There is a God. There is the Word. And there is power in prayer. Those are my final words to our church. I made 150 of these. It is the message. And if we run out, I would have more. I will make more. Because if I have one piece of paper in my Bible for the rest of my life, I would have this. I am only a man, but this, if you want to know 
what I believe. And you have you've put your confidence. This is it. This is the, the final message. You can go through every trial and test. We've went through cancer. We've went through heartache and pain and difficulty. And we've been attacked. And we stand here in Christ alone through these four principles. They will carry you. Mom and Dad, Jim and Brenda, thank you. As family, thank you for giving me these. Gentry, Rissa, Jake, and Carter, who's sleeping with the bottle. I promise you, if you'll hold on to these, they will carry you. And to this church family I love so much, I would not preach something to you on my final message that wasn't the most relevant and important message I can believe. Could I be wrong? Yes, I could. And I'm not here to say that I have all the answers and that I am absolutely correct. I'm going to, I have preached to the best of my ability. And as I have been mocked by Jim Moltbay and Scott Gasho, I said if we get to heaven and we get always wear Speedos and bikinis and all we had to say was I believe in Jesus, don't one person in this room be angry if that's all it took. Because we should want every person to enjoy the streets of gold and the joy of heaven. But at the end of the day, every man that preaches the gospel is going to try to bring you to the closest. If, they, if they're kingdom-minded, above all else, they're going to try to bring you to a place that will take you to heaven. For the last year, Mary and I have prayed and vetted, and our board has vetted, and you all did a beautiful job speaking to the Daigles, and we're confident that we are bringing a wonderful couple that will hold on to these principles without compromise. But I must do as Paul did to the church in Galatians. It's bold and it's harsh, but it's the reality. My closing words are Galatians, not of myself, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. But if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary of what we preach to you, he is to be accursed. Verse 9. As we have said before, and so say again now, if any man preaches to you a gospel contrary to that that was received by your heart, because every man must work out their own, let him be accursed. I affirm that. Too much blood, too much sweat, too many prayers to let another gospel be preached to this assembly. God bless you.
To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things that He has done. Thanks for listening to Fisher's Life. Be sure to follow or subscribe to get the latest message every Monday.